I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB, broadcasting live from the Mack Hike of Flowwood Studios out here in Florida, Mississippi. Uh, today's Thursday. Next hour, we will have Stone Clanton in with Americans for Prosperity, and we'll talk to him a little bit. You know, these people deal with politicians. We'll probably talk some in the first hour about this McCarthy thing because there are. It's this is. I find this very interesting, very encouraging too. For those of you who think I'm a, I'm a bit of a doom and gloomer. I can get angry. I, I can see some bright spots, and I think it's fantastic. This is actually rebelling against the machine. Long, long, long decades overdue. I'm happy to see it, so we'll talk about that with AFP. And I also ran across a story today. Our own Delbert Hoseman, that bastion of conservatism, I believe one of his plans is to try to expand Medicaid in the state. Well, we've got new figures out showing the number of people in the United States who are, within the next couple of months, going to be on Medicaid, as projected. And it's stunning. Now, this is Medicaid. This is not Medicare. This is Medicaid. It's my understanding. Anyway, we'll take a look at that. We are quickly becoming a completely dependent population. So Stone Philip, uh, Stone, <laughs> Stone Clanton. It's always so cool. That Stone Phillips guy on, uh, what was he on, Dateline, NBC? I don't know where he was, somewhere. It's, that, that name always wants to come out anytime I talk about Stone. Uh, some quotes of the day today. I guess I'm going to go through a couple of Libertarian Party tweets just because I, I, I put these out there because you're not ever going to hear these things anywhere else. You're just not going to hear from the third largest political party. And I just think it's interesting talking to a freedom-loving, anti-establishment, conservative audience. I, I read these tweets because I want you to think, where do you disagree with the things that they say? And I just can't really imagine what the arguments against what the Libertarian Party is saying, and then we're going to juxtapose it against what the GOP is tweeting out. Libertarian Party said, Everything you were taught about your government is a lie. The free and flourishing republic that you thought you lived in is an empire that exploits, imprisons, and kills people for profit. Your elections are rigged, and the people rigging them think of you as cattle. I just love... (laughs) I love the radical nature of the Libertarian Party's Twitter feed. So this is certainly uh, resonate with a lot of people out there, even the Trump supporters. you got the Libertarian Party out there tweeting, your elections are rigged and the people rigging them think of you as cattle. Here's another one that the Libertarian Party's paying attention to, and I haven't covered this story, but they, they mentioned it here. It does stink to high heaven. The uh, Libertarian Party tweeted out, the Attorney General of the U.S. Virgin Islands filed a 100-page complaint last week alleging that, for years, J.P. Morgan, the bank, 
aided Epstein's human trafficking network. Days later, she was fired. And the Libertarian Party says it's time to start asking some serious questions about what they're trying to cover up. Uh, the LP has been asking for a release of all of the Johns and all of the documents, an actual investigation of the Epstein child sex trafficking ring we just can't seem to get around to. FBI too busy prosecuting people taking selfies in the Capitol. As the FBI said, it's the largest investigation they've ever launched. They just can't get around, though, to uh, underage little girls being trafficked around the country for uh, around the world. Uh, to service the powerful. Can't get around to that. Not enough time. Not enough manpower. Uh, Shane Hazel. I guess he's a libertarian guy. I'm not really familiar with him necessarily. He's a, I think he's a former Marine. He shows up in my Twitter feed a lot. He said, trying to ram through Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House over and over again when clearly he doesn't and won't have the votes is peak GOP establishment. No creativity, no leadership, no balls. Which reminds me, I heard Tate Reeves is qualified to run again. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just the part where he gets to no creativity, no leadership, no balls. Uh, it just reminded me that uh, apparently Tate Reeves will be running for re-election here. And I'm, I'm really not sure. I think he will easily go back into office. I, I, I've heard across conservative talk radio in the state of Mississippi, we've completely forgotten about the fact that he closed down the reservoir, closed down churches, closed down schools, demanded businesses, shut their doors, and then open up at 25% occupancy. Uh, it doesn't matter. None of those things matter. It will be a battle between a Republican and a Democrat. Tate will be that Republican because the GOP and the Mississippi GOP will fund his campaign to thwart any challengers so people will forget all about the authoritarian, totalitarian government that we had uh, for a year here in the state of Mississippi, and he will be easily reelected. What exactly are people getting for this loyalty to the establishment Republican Party, I, I am not seeing it. Uh, but when to juxtapose, these, so I've given you some Libertarian Party tweets, a Libertarian Shane Hazel. Here's what the, the RNC, here's what the GOP in their official Twitter account is tweeting out. This one comes from RNC Research. I guess they're kind of one of the main bodies of the Republican Party. Uh, RNC Research tweets this out. Joe Biden has spent 282 days, 40% of his presidency, on vacation. Here's another one. Oh, they're, getting, they're trying to be funny. There's nothing less funny than an establishment Republican. There are fantastic, hilarious, conservative meme makers and people on social media. The right is so much funnier than the left over the past few years. But the GOP, these stuffed shirts at the, at the grand old party, I got to tell you, they're not funny, but they tried to be funny. Uh, the GOP tweeted this out. Biden's New Year's resolution, take more vacation, exclamation point. This is your Republican Party. What are they trying to tell you exactly? Is the GOP, is the Republican Party actually trying to tell you that our country needs the in-person leadership of Joe Biden? We, we, he's got to maintain his position in the Oval Office to take care of the business of the American people. Should the Republicans not be cheering every single day that Joe Biden is beyond our shores or outside of Washington, D.C., doing nothing? Every day he is on vacation is a good day for all of us. 
And I have always hated this garbage, both sides. Obama's in Hawaii again. Trump's playing golf. It doesn't matter. The opposing side always makes a big deal about them being on vacation. Who cares? It does nothing for our lives. When these people are sitting in the Oval Office issuing orders, every single, it, it makes our lives worse. <laughs> I'm for a permanent vacation. I don't think Joe Biden is very far off from his his permanent vacation. But uh, I guess the GOP is really trying to point out that uh, Joe Biden's steady hand is not at the helm every day. For the love of God, get this guy on vacation. I, he, what, he was down in the, was he in the Virgin Islands about the time that this, uh, this uh, prosecutor was uh, fired? The Attorney General of the U.S. Virgin Islands? Didn't Joe Biden just go to the U.S. Virgin Islands? Is this Joe Biden doing his uh, like he did when he fired the prosecutor in Ukraine that was looking into Hunter. Now the, the Attorney General of the Virgin Islands was looking into Epstein and J.P. Morgan, and Joe Mafia Joe made his visit down to the Virgin Islands and went ahead and fired the prosecutor down there so they don't get any further into the Epstein investigation. And then here was another one, RNC research. Again, you think about all the things that are going on in the world. We're on the cusp of World War III. Uh, citizens are... Struggling with inflation. The borders are wide open. There's some really big issues out there. So RNC Research puts this out. Uh, this is on the GOP uh, the GOP Twitter feed. Pete Buttigieg bought, uh, brought husband Chastin. <laughs> is that really his name? Chastin? Uh, if they named him that at birth, it was just, it was his fate to be gay, I guess. Uh, Pete Buttigieg brought... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This has got to be the Matrix. The writing is just too good. You've got a, you've got a guy whose last name is, but a gig, and his husband's name is Chastin. Okay, <laughs> so this is the reality apparently we're living in. Anyway, the, the RNC and GOP tweets out: Pete Buttigieg brought husband Chastin on military aircraft to attend a sporting event in the Netherlands. Buttigieg has used government private jets on at least 18 occasions since taking office. This is what the Republican Party gives you. And then here's my favorite one. Here's my favorite one from the GOP. Joe Biden's administration is responsible for an $8 trillion wipeout as the stock market finishes its worst year since 2008. Oh, this crap must work. Republicans must be, I mean, people who believe what comes out of the GOP, certainly not all Republicans, but the people who believe who are, are, are there subscribers to the GOP Twitter account? Uh, they must be as much, big a bunch of simpletons as Democrats are. That's one of the most ignorant things and, and almost funny to me. Joe Biden's administration is responsible for an $8 trillion wipeout as the stock market finishes its worst year since 2008. Uh, who was president in 2008 again? Oh, that's right. It was Republican George W. Bush. I really wonder if the GOP put out a statement. We can't believe our own guy was just just the leader over the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. I doubt they mentioned that out loud. Now, I'm not giving Joe Biden a pass. Some simpletons occasionally tune into the show, and when they hear me criticize the Republican Party or the GOP, they think I must be a liberal. But I would imagine they did not uh, did not even realize the irony of saying that, yeah, Biden's the worst since uh, our guy in 2008. 
And I'm not saying either of these one of these presidents themselves caused these things. That's the other stupidity of this kind of statement. It's the same stupidity that goes into the term Bidenflation. Uh, it's are there, are there seriously Republicans out there going, look what Joe Biden did to the stock market? Not understanding exactly what's been led. I, I wonder if I, I don't pay attention, you know, occasionally when I do segments like this, it's the only time I ever really look at the GOP Twitter feed just to see what inanity they're putting out. And God, I, I don't think I have the stomach to listen to uh, look at the DNC's Twitter feed. I'm trying not to get angry today. I'm in a pretty good mood. Last thing I want to do is see what the DNC is actually saying. But uh, I wonder if they put out a tweet that says, oh, my God, Donald Trump just closed the country and ruined thousands of the nation's small businesses. Did they say that during 2020? Was that on the GOP Twitter feed? I'm just kind of thinking not. Uh, A a little bit of uh, self-deprecation. Thank you to Josh. Josh West, our own Josh West here from WIAB, sent me. Send me a video that the Babylon Bee has put out. These guys are geniuses. I always looked at uh, thinking about, I was a big Seinfeld fan, and I just thought when you see you know blooper reels or behind-the-scenes stuff, it just looks like that might have been the greatest job for anybody to have ever had. That cast just looks like every day they showed up, they had a fantastic time uh, putting out a great comedy product. I do admire people who might be able to live in that kind of situation. I feel the same way about about Babylon B. These guys have got some of the most genius minds, and it must just be a hoot to work at the Babylon B. But they put out a great video uh, talking about how to win an argument with a libertarian. Josh West sent this to me last night, so uh, we'll play that. We'll take a quick break and come back and play it. It's It's pretty darn funny. Be right back. I just pulled up an article about the the fight for the speakers, the Kevin McCarthy ordeal. It really is a pretty fascinating story. We'll talk about it after this next break. And uh, I heard there was a great idea posted on how we should exactly uh, handle this thing that I absolutely love. should be televised like a game show. Um, but, but I tell you what, I, one of the things that this whole debacle, which I love, it's great, uh, this whole thing really illustrates to me is it it highlights my frustration with so many Republican voters, even callers to the station. I've heard them say, well, this is just a bad look. I mean, essentially, it is a bunch of people who talk tough about reigning in Washington, D.C., uh, <coughs> excuse me, upsetting the apple cart, doing away with the establishment. But as soon as something out of the ordinary happens that can is is given to them by the media and by the political party itself as being something dangerous or chaotic or you know Newt Gingrich comes out about it Carl Rove they tell you it's bad it's a bad look immediately these same republicans who constantly talk about throwing all the bums out getting rid of the establishment rhinos they say well we need to compromise and go ahead and go with status quo i mean it it takes almost nothing this has no effect on your life this is just political theater stuff, but it, this is kind of important stuff because it may dictate the direction of the next two years of a Republican-led House. And Republicans who 
constantly talk about the Constitution and fighting the corruption in Washington, D.C., fold like a cheap tent the first time something goes where it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel normal. The Democrats are making fun of us. You know what's interesting on the left about this? I'll mention this real quick, and then I'm going to get to this Babylon B clip. What's interesting is a lot of people on the left, this is actually making a lot of the progressives like the squad look terrible. Now, most people don't know this because I pay attention to some people on the left, some of the honest progressives on the left. Again, I disagree with them on a ton of things, but at least they are committed to their cause and they see the corruption in Washington, D.C. They don't sell out to the Democratic Party. They can't stand the Democratic Party, just like a lot of us can't stand the establishment Republican Party. And they are saying, see, this is what the squad, a lot of the progressives, real leftists out there, they can't stand Nancy Pelosi the same way a lot of people on the right can't stand Kevin McCarthy. Because they know they're just corrupt. They're just rubber stamped. They're just uh, serving the donor class. And progressives are looking at what the Freedom Caucus is doing right now and going, see, this is what the squad could have done if they were real progressives, if they were real. Now, you and I don't want that. Nancy Pelosi was bad enough. I don't know who the squad would have wanted for Speaker of the House, uh, someone even more left. But it's, it's exposing to the left how they were sold out by the AOCs. Because AOC and them, you know, this this squad said we're going to be really powerful. We're going to hold uh, the the Democrats accountable to these progressive liberal policies. But they didn't. They folded like a cheap suit. Now they're voting for wars and huge budgets and pharmaceutical company giveaways. And the real leftists out there, the principled leftists, whether or not you and I agree with their principles, at least they they're turning on theirs people as well. So the House Freedom Caucus is kind of setting a, a new path here showing that uh, even a small group of people can actually affect uh, some great change. Let's get into this, this Babylon B thing. It's called uh, Eight Arguments to Instantly Destroy a Libertarian. And this is funny in a whole host of ways, some of them self-deprecating to the libertarian movement. One I'll point out as it goes along here. Debating a libertarian can be tough because they do their research and the smell of a bong can be very distracting. <laughs> we want to arm you with the knowledge you need so next time you happen upon a libertarian, you can destroy him or him. <laughs> now, why that's funny is because uh, there aren't a whole lot of libertarian women. It's a shame. The dating pool in the libertarian party is very small. Uh, women, you know, I think they like the certainty of, you know, a, a well-polished politician that promises to protect them. Libertarians make no, no such promises. They say, we're going to get the government out of your lives. I, I mean, I'm just assuming. Maybe that's a sexist assumption. Not a whole lot of ladies. <laughs> it's kind of like a Rush concert. I don't know how many of you out there were Rush fans. I was a huge Rush fan, probably one of my first favorite bands. Alex Lifeson, Getty Lee, Neil Peart, some of the best musicians ever, some of the greatest music ever, very philosophical music. But you would go to a Rush concert Back in the day, you wouldn't see a whole lot of chicks there. That was not the place. You go to a Motley Crue concert, you'll see some women, some scantily clad women. Rush concert, eh, not so much. The Libertarian Party, not known for its ladies. But, but let, me, let me couch that with saying there are some fantastic women. As a matter of fact, it's chaired by a woman. But uh, Babylon B pokes fun at the fact there ain't a lot of ladies in the LP. Facts and logic. Here are eight arguments guaranteed to totally crush libertarians. 
Ask them, who will build the roads? No libertarian has ever been able to answer this question. (laughs) Now that's funny because that's always one of the first questions people ask. When you tell them we're going to get government out of the way, people say, well, who will build the roads, Mike? The assumption, I guess, being that we are such a helpless species of people that if it weren't for the government, we would all just be sitting in our houses just wondering, I wonder if there's any way we could figure out how to get from one place to another. Over hundreds of years in the in the United States, we just never would have figured out how to put together something where we could drive a car down the road. The government makes you believe that. Checkmate. Remind him of how many lizard people would lose their jobs if libertarians got their way. Sad. Ask him to please put on some deodorant and some pants. <laughs> this will distract them long enough for you to sneak away undetected. Make the point that if we aren't involved in any foreign wars, we wouldn't have any cool war movies. No Black Hawk Down, American Sniper, or the seminal classic Battleship starring Rihanna. List all the thousands of government programs that people love, like Social Security, Obamacare, free crack pipes. Talk about the need for a social safety net for defense contractors. What does it say about society when we can't even care for struggling Raytheon execs? Talk about all the amazing things the government has done for us. Like handling COVID, private industry can never shut down kids' schools that fast. And finally, just call the FBI. They'll rate them on the spot. Joe Biden's go-to tactic for dealing with libertarians. Now go forth and own the libertarians. Tell us in the comments how much you hate Ayn Rand. Till next time. So there you go. That's the Babylon Bee, essentially endorsing libertarians and explaining to the fact that most of the arguments against libertarianism are stupid. I'm just saying, there's one of these groups that conservatives love, Babylon Bee, just a a fantastic outfit. They're certainly, uh, you know, on on the right. They are the humor on the right, but... uh, Yeah, they don't have a problem with us. Why should you? Be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WIAB. Next hour, we'll have uh, Stone Clanton in with Americans for Prosperity. We'll probably talk a little bit more about this speaker situation. Here's the thing that I think people need to understand. Everybody is asking for change, right? We know the system is not serving us. I mean, just look at what's happened to this country over decades of time. So we all say we want change. Uh, change is not easy. You understand the Republican, the the establishment Republicans that people say they don't like. And I mean, this is I would say I'm speaking to the majority of people. Unless you're on unless you're on the uh, the payroll, you know, you're in some group that gets favoritism. You're in an industry where you're actually benefiting financially from these people. Most people don't like them. Well, they're not going to give up power willingly. They're not just going to go, oh, looks like the tide's turned against us. Looks like most people are against the establishment Republicans. Uh, We'll just hang up our hats and we're going to give the reins of power to the House Freedom Caucus. It's got to be wrestled away from them. Any drastic change, uh, I talk about health a lot here. If you're eating a bunch of garbage and you want to tighten up your diet, start feeling better, you got two or three days, you're going to feel like crap. Your body is going to be jonesing from all that junk food and all the chemicals you've gotten yourself addicted to. You're going to feel bad if you're on drugs and you want to clean up. There's going to be a period of time where you do not feel good. You may feel like you're about to die. 
I've never withdrawn from heroin, but the stories are, uh, they're rough. So this is, this is what happens when real substantive change comes. And to watch Republicans who say, we want change, we want these corrupt people out of there, throw all the bums out, to watch people fold like a cheap suit and go, well, this just isn't the way to do it. They've got to get to the business of governing. The Democrats are laughing at us. I mean, for the love of God. Do you not? <laughs> I don't want to be in a foxhole with these people. I mean, I can't imagine people that throw up a white flag faster. And so uh, this is this is how change happens. And, and I don't know if it'll be substantive, but anything, anything that gets in the way of this steamroller of the two establishment parties, I am all in favor for. And I love gridlock as well. So anything that stops Congress from meeting. What was it? Mark Twain said something. We're not safe. The session, the second any legislature goes into session, we're less safe than we were before. Um, I, I know I'm hitting on libertarianism a lot today just because I they, they show up in my Twitter feed and Obviously, I read a lot of stuff by them. Some people have really taken issue with me. You keep mentioning, would you quit talking about libertarianism, which I find odd, but I have apparently chosen to ignore all of you. <laughs> uh, but uh, a guy's got a Twitter handle called Being Libertarian. That's sexist. There are some chicks in the uh, Libertarian Party. Maybe this is a woman. But anyway, the account is Being Libertarian. They said, the House Speaker debacle should be televised like on Big Brother. Every conversation recorded and on full display so the Americans really get to see what goes on. In fact, all members of Congress should be assigned cameras that follow them every step of their day. Wouldn't that be fascinating? That really would be fascinating. That I would tune into. Of course, we already kind of did that. Uh, it was on a show called Veep. <laughs> I talk about it a lot because I think it's a genius show. It's the Julia Louis-Dreyfus thing that's on HBO. But it was the best show. It's wildly clever. It's probably got more jokes per minute uh, of a show that I've ever seen. Now, it's pretty vulgar if you are sensitive to uh, the no-no words. This is not the show for you. But what I loved about Veep was it really showed you what scumbags these people are. I actually thought about it when I was when I was looking at this thing and thinking, well, that's what Veep was. It was basically a behind-the-scenes showing you that all of them, and, and the beautiful thing about Veep is that it didn't, it, I don't think it ever mentioned Republican or Democrat. You could tell some people opposed each other, so you had to kind of try to figure out who was who, but they were all scumbags. And within the whole cast of characters, I think there was one decent human being in the whole cast of characters, and they were on both sides but wouldn't it be fantastic to hear what goes on behind these scenes? I mean, I just imagine a whole lot of laughing. There, I, I, I guess Mitch McConnell just met with Joe Biden, or he's set to at some point. Wouldn't you love to know what goes on there? Because they go out to the microphones and act like they just radically oppose each other. But we know this is a country club. This is professional wrestling. We've had some members of Congress come out and essentially blow the whistle on this and say, look, all of the stuff when they get behind the mics and tell you that they're in this existential pitched battle with the other side, it's not true. Those are just pandering talking points when they get behind closed doors. And let me tell you this, too. Let me, let me repeat something I've said before as we have just passed this $858 billion military budget in a $1.7 billion uh, trillion dollar plan. One of the things, one of the problems that I've always had with the defense spending is, number one, number one, it's not necessary. 
We don't need this. It's to build a build an empire. They're spending money. They they are paying off the military industrial complex and then enjoying the benefits at the very top. The point zero one percent are enjoying the benefits of being the world empire and controlling natural resources and uh, getting corporations that are favored by the political class into certain countries to rebuild all, all that garbage. But it's not just the $858 billion they give to the military. You understand when Kevin McCarthy and Nancy Pelosi got behind closed doors and looked at a budget, or when Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer get behind closed doors, Mitch McConnell says, hey, look, I've got to pay off the military-industrial complex. We want $858 billion. And Chuck Schumer goes, well, you can have that if you give me $858 billion for my pet social program so that I can go out and pander to the little people and make, make them think I care about them. Of course, what Chuck Schumer actually does is make it rain for Wall Street. He's known to be the Wall Street whisperer. So every defense dollar that you cheer for on the right, a lot of people not doing that anymore. I'm very happy to see that change. Although when Donald Trump was, air quotes here in the studio, rebuilding the military... Everybody got so excited. Look what he's doing. He's rebuilding. No, he's just boosting military industrial complex budgets, just like every other Republican and now every Democrat does. But every time you give a dollar to the Defense Department, the Pentagon, that that has failed five audits in a row and cannot account for somewhere probably around $20 trillion right now, every time you cheer for giving another dollar to the Defense Department, you're actually spending $2. Because you're also in these backroom negotiations between the Republicans and the Democrats. For every defense spending dollar you get, uh, they are giving one to social programs. This waste, fraud, and abuse stuff that just went on in every single one of these spending bills, most recently this $1.7 trillion monstrosity. So it's double that. You get yours, but the Democrats get theirs too. Those of you cheering for these huge military budgets are actually facilitating all of these horrible social programs that have destroyed entire segments of our population and created a dependent class. You have cheered for that. Now, you, you act like it's not the same thing, but when there's wrangling, there's, the, the negotiation in Washington, D.C. is not like, uh, look, we've got, a, you know, we've got $5 trillion to spend. Let's see how we carve this thing up. I want X number of percent of this. No, what it is is I want to spend $858 billion. Okay, well, then give me $858 billion for what I want. Okay, there's no constraints on spending. There's no budget caps. There's no nothing. These numbers are just thrown out. These people in Congress never have to earn any of this money. As a matter of fact, they're parasites on the system, all drawing their salary from us. They produce nothing but graft. Grift. Is it graft? It's graft. And so everything that you get when the Republicans come out and tell you they got something for you, for your side, be it defense spending or whatever else Republicans like. It's mostly defense is what Republicans have have bankrupted us by. For every dollar you get, you ended up giving the left a dollar of ammunition towards whatever ridiculous social cause they wanted. Now the Democrats love the war spending, too. New Republicans will spend on these social programs as well. So it would be great to actually get these people mic'd up to hear them in a negotiation. I would imagine there's a lot of laughing and making fun of us. Do you think in a, in a budget meeting at any point there's one person that speaks up and goes, um, do, 
we, we don't actually have this money to spend, right? Do you think there's one person that even says that out loud? How about one person that goes, uh, hey, guys, guys, um, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but interest rates have been going up. So like this year, you know, we've got $31 trillion in debt. This year, if we, uh, if we get another trillion or $2 trillion in debt, uh, we got to finance that at like 5%. It's, it's a whole different ballgame than it was last year when we could finance it for half of 1%. Now we're going to have to spend 10 times as much on interest. Do you think there's one person in those meetings that goes, uh, I don't think we can keep going into debt because interest rates are going up and it's going to blow a hole through the budget? Maybe some freshman congressman actually says that at his first meeting. And I just imagine, kind of like you see in a TV show, like everybody stares at him for a second. He says his little thing, and then they look at each other, and then <laughs> they all, the whole room just breaks out in laughter. And that's when the freshman congressman realizes, oh, okay, okay there, there's no restraints on us. We don't care about interest expense. We'll just pluck the taxpayers for more of their hard-earned cash. Or we'll just pass it on to future generations. We'll all be out of office. There's the game. We load the nation down with debt. But by the time our careers are over, we will have parachuted out into a good corporate job, and it'll be other some other schmuck's uh, deal to uh, to deal with the fallout. Yeah, I, I like this idea of making the speakership thing a, a big brother type thing. We hear everything. I've got a couple of quotes that are apparently going on behind the scenes. One of them, particularly a uh, quote from Kevin McCarthy, is relayed by Matt Gates. Matt Gates is never going to have any. This is the sad thing, too. If you let the establishment win this one, for those of you out there that waved the right white flag after the first vote went down, there were Republicans out there calling into this radio station saying, well, you got to compromise. When have the true conservatives won anything? When is the establishment... It, the 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 idea of compromise with the establishment is something like uh, we want to spend a hundred billion dollars on this program, and a true conservative would say, I don't think that's the job of government in the first place. That agency shouldn't even exist. So the establishment Republican says, okay, we'll only do ninety billion instead of a hundred billion. That's the compromise that's been going on for the last fifty years. The establishment gets ninety five percent of what it wants, and the true conservatives in Washington, D.C., are saying these things shouldn't even exist. This isn't even government's role. And after the first vote, a bunch of Republicans wanted to fold the tent because because what Karl Rove told you, this is a bad look, because Newt Gingrich told you this was chaos. Surrender! I mean, th- this is this is change that needs to happen, but poor Matt Gates. I, I I really admire what he's doing. Uh, the establishment will grind the, him under their heel if the House Freedom Caucus does not win this and, <laughs> and get some protection for Matt Gates. Lauren Boebert as well. We got a, a clip from her. We'll play that in just a second. Stick around. I was afraid. I was petrified. I kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights just thinking how you'd done me wrong. I grew strong. I learned how to get along. And so you're All right, only a couple of minutes left in this hour. I'm sure we'll carry this conversation on to, uh, <clears throat> to uh, Americans of Prosperity next hour. My my message is pretty easy. 
to the, you conservatives, you people out there who talk about the Constitution and freedom and stuff, quit flying the white flag so darn quick. Um, looking at news stories now, Kevin McCarthy is... He's negotiating on more things. The Freedom Caucus that wants to rein in spending and stop this business as usual is getting more concessions. Can you hang out just a couple more days? I mean, these are the kinds of things that this is the Thad Cochran reelection. The guy was obviously in mental decline at the time, but you had the MSGOP, uh, the Mississippi WGOP radio stations out there telling you, well, we got to stick with Thad because he would the appropriations. And so. Somebody who might have actually introduced some kind of fiscal responsibility to Washington, D.C., some freedom-loving policies like a Chris McDaniel. Everybody just, well, this is just too contentious. We're just going to stick with the guy we got. I mean, at some point, you, you have to draw a line in the sand. And this is one of the easiest ones ever. It's not affecting your life. Go off and live your life today and just wait. If it takes two days, two weeks, two months, two years, I don't care. The House Freedom Caucus is getting some movement. <clears throat> I hope Speaker McCarthy doesn't negotiate enough to actually get elected because the guy is establishment. This is what you keep saying you want to change. <clears throat> but because the Democrats and CNN talk bad about you, because Nancy Pelosi puts out a tweet that says it's disrespectful to the institution, you're going you're gonna to give up? Because Karl Rove told you this is an unseemly look for Republicans. They should be coming together. Yeah, they've been coming together for 50 years that I've been paying attention, and they ain't doing nothing good. We're $32 trillion in debt almost. It's time for somebody to fight back and to watch Republicans cave after a day. <laughs> a day. It's just unbelievable. Matt Gates sent this out. He tweeted out, McCarthy is losing it. He texted one of my colleagues who didn't vote for him. Quote, this is what McCarthy uh texted somebody, quote, I am ready to fund an endless war. That's what Kevin McCarthy said. He'll spend your taxpayer dollars just to fight for his own craven lust for power. That's the thing about these people, too, These, particularly these octogenarians, the Bidens, the Pelosi's, the McConnell's. Can you just imagine being that age? You've already looted the Treasury for a, you could provide for yourself a nice little lifestyle, but they can't give up the power. Our, our politicians are becoming like popes. They want to die in office. They can't relinquish the power. Why doesn't Kevin McCarthy just go, apparently I'm not their cup of tea right now. I'll just go back to being a House member. I'm sure he's made a lot of promises to donors. He's got a lot, of, a lot on the hook. He's got to deliver for this donor class. Either that or he is just craving with power. But Matt Gates says he... Uh, that McCarthy said, I'm ready to fund an endless war. So those of you who say, well, this is going on too long. Is it the House Freedom Caucus's problem? Or is it McCarthy who has just said, I'm ready to fund an endless war? And as Matt Gates says, Matt Gates says, I'm assuming this is in addition to the Ukraine war, which Kevin McCarthy is excited to fund endlessly. Uh, Lauren Boebert said this. So let's work together. Let's stop with the campaign smears and tactics to get people to turn against us, even having my favorite president call us and tell us we need to knock this off. I think it actually needs to be reversed. The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes and it's time to withdraw. And with that, I yield. Thank you. That's right. <clears throat> Donald Trump said just that's the same Trump tact that he took with uh, people questioning the vaccines. 
He doesn't want to talk about it. He said, just knock it off. He said, I don't want to hear anything else about these shots. They're the greatest things that have ever happened. Just knock it off. And this is Donald Trump draining the swamp by, for some reason, supporting the plug, Kevin McCarthy, that keeps the swamp from being drained. It's very interesting. Nobody really adequately explains that to me. When I ask Trump supporters about that, they uh, they point the <clears throat> I think the term Joe Biden is within the next 10 words out of their mouth. And a lot of times it's, oh, I guess you like Biden. <laughs> it's like I could go to an elementary school sometimes and get as uh, as interesting a political discussion going with a fourth grader as I can with some some people. But uh, anyway, Lauren Boebert standing up, Matt Gates standing up, the House Freedom Caucus standing up. This is how change happens. Just chill out a little bit. Quit listening to CNN. Quit listening to Newt Gingrich. Quit listening to Karl Rove. Quit listening to Sean Hannity. I've got a clip of Sean Hannity, too, that human piece of excrement, as he took on Lauren Boebert. Sean Hannity just wants to see it over. Put Kevin McCarthy in. We promise he'll change. Yeah, any day now. Be right back. Riding through this world all alone. God takes your soul. You're on your own. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 1039 WYAB, here in the Mac Hike of Flowwood Studios. And it is Thursday. We do our Freedom and Prosperity Hour uh, with a representative from Americans for Prosperity. And we have back two weeks in a row now, Stone Clanton, this time in person. You made mm-hmm. the drive out here. We appreciate I did. that. You know, uh, they do say. Uh, Gas prices are supposed to spike again this year. Have you heard this that uh, we may have seen our yeah, low I mean, prices? Yeah, I mean, and and what did we te- what did we tell everybody when the gas tax uh, holiday or whatever the the Biden administration called it come up? It's a facade. Yes, it's, it's a facade. Yep, and it was a facade. So it, yeah, it, it's coming back. I think that. Um, you know, it's very interesting to me. I thought about it this morning and kind of over the last couple of days watching the news. There's, there's, you know, we're always so distracted. But isn't it interesting that you really do not hear any talk about inflation anymore? It's like it has not been a topic for, I would say, you know, there's the uh, Thanksgiving dinner cost more, I would say, up to about yeah. Thanksgiving. Um, but it hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, it's down like two-tenths of one percent, really, or maybe half of a percent from its high. It's still trending at over seven percent, which we know in real terms means 14 to 15 percent. And no one's really talking about inflation. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And uh, well, we're, we're definitely still talking about inflation. And But that is unfortunate that our leaders are not talking about inflation right now. I think they're too concerned with what's going on in D.C. right now and trying to get the House figured out. But uh it it is unfortunate that that they're not talking on anymore because it still is a thing. We're still printing money. We're still spending uh, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars billions. and sending them to other countries and and spending it on cronyism and it's it. it I don't well, know. I actually don't want politicians talking about inflation because they're never honest about the cause of it. They, they what they try to convince you of is that it's you it's know, just the other party. It's the other party's fault. <laughs> yeah. And they don't explain, hey, it's because we can't control our spending. The Federal Reserve's had to print up a bunch of money to help fund our harebrained ideas up in Washington DC mm-hmm. and more money in circulation. But um, the the money supply, the M two money supply, 
this is fascinating radio to a lot of people. I know there's a lot of people really wait, waiting for my M2 money supply report. <laughs> but uh, the M2 money supply has just contracted for the first time since the, the chart that I saw went back into the 1950s for the first time ever. The money supply is contracting. So here's my prediction. Uh, the money supply contracts. We start heading into a recession. You know, the money supply, you can almost chart the Dow Jones with it. You know, the more money they pump in, the higher the stock market goes. So we're about to see a little taming of inflation, but that's going to tip us into recession. Not that, but we at the same time, we're going to tip into recession. And that's when the Federal Reserve, things start falling off. Maybe a bank failure. There'll be some crisis somewhere. They'll start printing money, and we'll get our second wave of inflation. I put it maybe... Next next fall, a Dude, real when wave. you when you say a recession, do you mean like a legit recession? Recession, or were you talking? Oh, I don't even know what I didn't look at the last quarter. They haven't uh, given fourth quarter okay. GDP yet. Yeah, because um, I know. I mean, it was always declining. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we I had a know. recession at the beginning of the year, and they they just tried to pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah, I, what, are we still in that recession? No, we had okay. a positive growth okay. in the third quarter, okay. but it was two quarters. I, I, I think it was yesterday. I said they're treating recession like ivermectin. They're pretending it didn't mm-hmm. exist. <laughs> they just you know, <laughs> two quarters of negative. It's the definition, uh, and they just said, "Oh no, that wasn't a recession." Uh, but it, no, I'm that talking about the elections. Mac Daddy. I'm talking about layoffs. Yeah. Uh, Salesforce just announced 10 percent of its force getting laid off. Amazon. Just laid off 18,000 people. Um, the layoffs are coming. Interest rate increases by the Fed take anywhere from six to 12 months to manifest because that's about how long it takes for a lot of businesses to have to re-up their debt at the higher interest rate levels so it starts affecting their balance sheets. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing in the next two to three months the effect of all these higher interest rates on the housing market more, on corporate balance sheets, and all these things. So that's when I think we'll tip into like the jobless recession where people realize, uh-oh, this is not a great time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's coming. But then the Federal Reserve, I think, will eventually chicken out, respond to that by printing up more money. And then we'll have, and it starts and, over. Again. Yeah, and then AFP will have another talking point and go out and <laughs> go to the grocery stores and the gas pumps <laughs> to talk to people about why the hell this thing is happening. Um, so, um, so uh, talking today, yesterday, I'm I'm very encouraged and interested in what's going on in Washington D.C. fighting Kevin McCarthy because it may be the first kind of demand by conservatives to be listened to. We hear a lot of speeches. Uh, Chip Roy was on the House of the Floor, and he's been given some on-fire speeches. He's a member of the House Freedom Caucus, and he's been talking about the spending in Washington, D.C., and the swamp and all that stuff. But he always does it to an empty empty mm-hmm. chamber because there's no debate. These people right. are not debating anything. They're right. just backroom deals, a handful of people. They put out a bill. Everybody votes on it, yay or nay. No amendments offered. It's, just, it's not governing. It right. is just corruption. But Chip Roy was on the floor the other day when they were taking this vote. He goes, oh, I see how we get the chamber filled up. You know, we have this this vote. Republicans and particularly the conservative ones, the true conservatives, have been asking for things, have been giving Jim Jordan or any of these people, been giving impassioned speeches on the House floor for forever. They're always talking a, a good game, but they've never demanded of their own party you know they'll talk. They'll demand a lot from the other side. They've never demanded from their own party concessions to start reining in spending and all these other things. Mm-hmm. This is the, one of the first times I can remember where they stood up and said, "Enough is enough. We're holding a line line in the sand." Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I'll guess for the party itself, 
uh, there's two sides to the coin. I guess there's a side saying, oh, the party's split and all this. We're not getting anything done. But at the same time, uh, like you said, there are these people that are, uh, I guess, what we would deem as policy champions that are uh, fighting for, for what we deem as, as good policy and reigning and spending and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then um, on the on the other side of it, though, I uh I think it's just a good thing that they're not spending any more money or making any more Absolutely. laws while while, yeah. while they are fighting. But Two yeah, months is fine with me. Six months is fine with me of doing this stuff. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And, and but the Republican talking heads are going out and talking about how this is just chaos and catastrophe. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's kind of like I, I was doing some GOP tweets earlier where they were they were tweeting the very substantive Joe Biden goes on a lot of vacations tweets. Like, do, do we somehow believe that we need Joe Biden sitting behind the resolute desk in the Oval Office for this country to function? Is that really what we're led to believe? We need his steady hand guiding the ship. I'm thrilled he goes on vacation. I'm thrilled when there's gridlock. I'm thrilled that they're doing nothing in the House of Representatives. I'm thrilled about every time they are doing nothing but wasting their own time yeah. and not pestering us. Yeah. The only th- the only thing that is discouraging is they're not actually doing that good policy right now because that they are so they're so because they're so concerned with power right now. Yeah. What I mean is on both sides, I guess is uh, whoever wants to be in control. They're not really concerned about the people and uh, making us a more prosperous country. Um, that's why AFP actually recently put out something called our Pathway to Prosperity. Uh, you can find it on our Facebook page. Uh, we put out a press release yesterday for it, and uh, but essentially a lot of it has to do with uh, there's there's a ton of stuff in there, but. Um, some of it's energy abundance, uh, combating violent crime and stop, uh, uh, looking at these little petty crimes and, and actually stopping crime that is, that is violating the non-aggression principle right. that as, is as taking property and hurting people. Um, so, uh, looking at that, um, uh, as well as, um, actual good, uh, tax policy where we're not picking winners and losers. But yeah, I think that a lot of the infighting, uh, is leading to good gridlock because, like you said, they're not doing anything uh, bad right now. But right. the only downside is they're not doing anything good either. Well, I mean, <laughs> if they're open, the chances are 98 to 2 that they're going to be doing something bad. Yeah. I, I thought this was interesting. This guy tweeted this out. The House Speaker debacle should be televised like on Big Brother. Every conversation recorded on a full display so that the Americans really get to see what goes on. In fact, all members of Congress should be assigned cameras that follow them every step of their day. Uh, I absolutely love that idea. Uh, you guys deal more with the Mississippi legislature. I think that would be equally interesting <laughs> to be able to go behind closed doors and well, listen hey, to phone there's calls. There's no sunshine here in the state of Mississippi. I mean, uh, uh, nobody uh, – there's there's many uh, – meetings that they have uh, at least committee meetings where there's there's no room in the end right. uh, for people to come in and watch uh, the debate happen uh, unless you're in the big uh, meeting room and then uh, nobody can ask questions unless you're asked to be there so uh, that, that was a shock for Starla when she got here <laughs> because uh, while Florida is the sunshine state because of the actual sun they actually have a lot of good laws when it comes to people being involved but yeah that's a that's a big problem I, I think it would be great to be able to see if a legislature votes on something to know everything that they got for that vote <clears throat> you know uh, I'll, I'll vote for this in mississippi because i was guaranteed that they are going to vote for these things for me mm-hmm. uh, to be able to see that tree most people not interested in it but to see the horse trading for people to actually understand 
all this give and take, uh, you know, when when politicians cast a vote that does not match their campaign rhetoric, you can rest assured it's because they got something for it. It mm-hmm. wasn't that they just were swayed by a convincing argument. No, behind closed doors, they said, I need your support on this. This is my deal. If you do this, then I'll make sure the members vote with you on this. Mm-hmm. And I would love to be able to see those kinds of things. Yeah, I would, too. Uh, I, I think that that's where a lot of the, the actual stuff goes on. Um, which is unfortunate, but I don't know. Um, as far as the actual Congress stuff goes with the Speaker of the House, I don't know what you said. They're on. Their, they'll be voting on their seventh. Yeah, I think they're up their on their seventh. seventh. And there's a bunch of um, bunch of concessions. McCarthy just he keeps conceding. This is just yeah. fantastic. It only took a few <laughs> days. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, uh, a, a lot of representatives uh, like Thomas Massey are kind of staying out of it. And I, I would love to see uh, Representative Massey. Uh, be appointed to some committees. Yeah, well, that's and, being discussed in one of these concessions. Ex- yeah. Yes, yeah. So I'm I'm really excited about that. I mean, he's arguably the best congressman that we have in the nation. Uh, even may, maybe, maybe even in our history. Yep, maybe even considering both chambers. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what comes from that. Um, he is kind of staying out of it though. I did like, uh, and you know more about it than me because. Uh, I haven't been following it as closely, but uh, the Justin Amash piece. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on yeah. uh, it was either on C-SPAN or one of his local uh, channels back home in Michigan. But uh, you know, he's 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 offering to be a nonpartisan speaker and lets nothing bad happen or essentially nothing right. happen. Well, <laughs> so, Justin which which a, might be okay. Yeah, well, Justin Amash is a libertarian <laughs> guy, so I, I would fairly support that. Um, <clears throat> I didn't know, I can't remember if it was you or somebody else I was talking to on air, might've been Stephen Utraska, but I didn't realize that you don't have to be, you don't have to be a politician. You don't have to be a member of the speaker of the house to, I mean, of the house of representatives, yeah. be the speaker, just yeah. any Joe Blow off the street theoretically could go be. And I'm telling you, I am not a Donald Trump <laughs> fan, but it seems like a slam dunk to make Trump speaker of the house. I mean, I can't. I'm sure he would probably get the vast majority of votes. Some of these Freedom Caucus guys might stick to their guns and demand some things, and maybe uh-huh. that's why Trump can't do it because he wouldn't. Trump's not a freedom lover, small government guy either. But just for the sheer entertainment value of it, and I would think that that would be right up yeah, Trump's I think, alley. I think, think of all the attention he'd explode. Oh, it would just. I don't know why they're not talking about that or considering that. That would be absolutely hilarious. I, honestly, that wouldn't. I mean, I, which he is back in McCarthy, but I'm I'm surprised that some of those uh, uh, those twenty that are that are standing hard against McCarthy haven't even mentioned or at least openly considered that or but, nominated him just on yeah. the lark just to get some attention yeah yeah that i might i i think a lot of people says i think my head would explode if that would actually happen i mean in a in a funny way i guess i yeah. don't know well it's I, uh it's i don't know man it's 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 a hot mess up there but which you know is a good thing great. sometimes and sometimes bad thing well, but this is my point too because i've listened to callers even to this station and not to mention the people nationally um, the the establishment characters who are coming out and just making this out to be some existential threat to the Republican Party and that the Democrats are going to 
No, there's the only danger of this benefiting the Democrats is if there's some turncoat Republicans in there that would actually side with the Democrats and vote for a Democrat to be Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. But that's on those. Which people. some of those twenty have have said that. Uh, I mean, they. I mean, I, I want to say it was uh, Matt Gates who said that he'd be more happy to see uh, one of those squad members. I can't remember her name. Not AOC. It was, <laughs> it was one of those other ones. He'd, he'd be happy to see her than uh, Kevin McCarthy back, which is you know to each her own, but. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 funny. You know, well, it's just, we live in a we live in a wild world. Yeah, but I mean, I, you need to find some humor out of it sometimes. Well, this is uh, these are the this is what happens when you have a dying empire. Mm-hmm. L- let me give you a let me give you a tip. Okay, I have run across a drama series. I don't know if you've ever heard of this thing, but it is fantastic. It's called Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm, I think I'm like eight years behind or something like that. But I've just started watching this. But it does kind of remind me of politics. You see all the backstabbing and all of this lust for power. They're all trying to. That's you know, literally take the what throne. it is. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah, and uh, it's it's fascinating to see what people will do for power. And then and then I see the poor soldiers that go out there and die by the thousands on the battlefield just to satisfy the lust for power from this one person who's got them so scared or hoodwinked or propagandized mm-hmm. or brainwashed to support them mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's like uh it's like partisans in this country they're they're getting nothing from it their standard of living is declining yet they line up behind these people in these battles which just it cracks me up uh, as long as you're owning the other side you know either owning the libs yeah, or owning the owning the conservatives so i mean it's, it's as long as you're getting that and you're and you're satisfying the masses and they have blindfolds on so I think we should just go to, like, feats of strength or something like that. I mean, you know, just start electing uh, big buff uh, Congress critters. We can have a male, a female, and a trans category and just <laughs> let them do something, uh, you know, just a competition of Mud wins, anything. And we could do that with Putin, too, you know, almost like the Olympics, but whoever wins the thing gets part of Ukraine. It would just be so much more civilized than what we're Fighting doing now. Fighting bears. Yeah. Um, I had an interesting thing. We're talking to uh, Stone Clanton from Americans for Prosperity. I ran across a statistic today. I, I know that one of the things coming up in Mississippi legislative session is the expansion of Medicaid. Isn't mm-hmm. that something that they're maybe talking about? Yeah, I mean that. I think that's talked about every year, and uh, it it is always uh, more so threatened within the Senate because uh, Speaker Delbert. yeah Speaker Gunn is pretty much uh, he's he's dead set on not expanding Medicaid. He's never been a uh, for expanding Medicaid and. Do I see that actual the actual expansion of Medicaid happening? No, just simply because uh, Governor Reeves and Speaker Gunn are adamantly set on that. Could it come up in, in the Senate? Yeah, uh, I don't know if that if that's even going to be a major priority for them this year. Possibly, I know that the Lieutenant Governor put out his plan uh, a few weeks ago, and he he never mentioned Medicaid expansion, but he did mention making sure everybody has quote unquote access to health, or, of you know, especially the mothers and everything after they ever done in a Roe v. Wade. Uh, and so there's there's going to be that excuse for a lot of people that are right. wanting to expand Medicaid. Again, uh, is it going to be a priority for them? A legit priority? I'm not sure because I don't know if they're going to want to waste their time doing that when number one AFP is going to be fighting it, but also Speaker Gunn and uh, the governor or, or debt settle not expanding it. Yeah, I don't well, know what what were you going to sh- what were you going to say that uh, we'll talk about it after we're going to take a break real quick. But uh, Medicare is apparently expanding anyway. Whether we <laughs> make it official in the state of Mississippi, when we come back, I'll talk about these numbers I ran across this morning. It is 
absolutely amazing to realize how big our federal government is getting. I don't mm-hmm. know how the hell they're going to afford this, but we'll talk about that when we come back. We're talking to Stone Clinton, Americans for Prosperity. Stick around. We will be right I tear my heart open. I saw myself shut. My weakness is that I can't do much. And my scars remind me that the past is real. All right, we are back talking to Stone Clinton, Americans Prosperity. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYEB. Yeah, so talking about Medicaid, this story came out, I just saw it today. Um, up to 100 million Americans will soon be enrolled in Medicaid. That's according to an enrollment monitoring project by the, and I'll just, I, I, I'm so sad for these people. They are with the Foundation for Government Accountability. Can you imagine a more a more unrewarding possible thing? I mean, because all of these institutions, you know, that that track spending and all that stuff, it just keeps getting worse. And they're having zero effect anyway. uh, This is a think tank focused on welfare and health care policy. Quote, for years, FGA, that's this uh, Foundation for Government Accountability, uh, has been warning about the rising number of people on government welfare programs. This was Hayden Dubois. Uh, he's the data and anal- uh, analytics director, said, now we're making a grim milestone. Nearly one-third of the country will be on Medicaid, and I'm going to add to that in just a second. Our research and data show that as welfare enrollment increases, workforce participation decreases. We're in the midst of a nationwide workforce crisis, yet the Biden administration is pushing policies to entice people into government dependency at record levels while limiting op- limited opportunities uh, to achieve the American dream. A hundred million people on Medicaid. I just looked up some other numbers here. Uh, how many people are on Medicare? Uh, and that number is apparently, uh, was that 82? Let me, let me see. Yeah, 82 million people on Medicare. So that's 182 million people. Then I looked up how many people are getting subsidies um, from Obamacare. Apparently, there are 35 million people who have bought Obamacare coverage, and maybe of that, um, so 7 million people who purchased insurance are getting premium subsidies. And I went on the marketplace years ago just to see what was going on, and I, I would get emails constantly during the enrollment period where it says, four out of every five people who apply for Obamacare can get premiums as low as $10 a month for health care coverage. So you you add those up, what does almost 200 million Americans are basically either on direct federal insurance or are getting a subsidy for their health insurance. Yeah, like I said over the break, is that am I missing something or, or is that a little bit concerning for a first world country? Yeah. Uh, or I maybe I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I missed uh, some sort of announcement or something that we're full on socialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that that's a lot of I, I would not have assumed. You know, I just thought Medicaid was for people in real need for a that that's what it should be for. Yeah, that's what it should be well, for. As bad as our economy is underneath the hood, maybe a hundred million people. Re- Oh, yeah. it's such a mess. They've made such a mess of health care. Yeah. And, again, they're wanting to do it right here in Mississippi. I mean, it, like I, now I said before the break that I don't I don't think that's going to happen, but people want to do that, and they're wanting to expand it to able-bodied people. Yeah. These things were sa- – are, they are supposed to be safety nets right. for the sick 
and for the for the impoverished. But how? Do and you, yet it it it's become a net for the sheep. Well, you know, <laughs> if if you go out into the marketplace, I don't know, you know, what your health insurance situation is, but if if you just go out as just an independent person, if you don't have yeah. corporate coverage or whatever. It's, it's, you know, $1,000, 1500 mm-hmm. a month, a lot of times for a catastrophic plan. So now we've got almost 200 million Americans on these plans that are government paid for. They're never going back to the private sector, and they will never vote against somebody who promises them more of that. I mean, and I, and I, mm-hmm. I understand that mm-hmm. to a degree. I mean, essentially you're saying, you know, you get somebody like me, a libertarian, who says we've got to get the government out of our lives, and to, to some people they go, uh, I don't want the government out of my life. It's saving me fifteen hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and look, and I'll I'll say that I'll add that to that since you since you brought that up, and I think we've talked about it about that that mindset when it comes to um, uh, student loan debt yeah. forgiveness. Uh, I have a lot of uh, friends, and I have a lot of or I watch a lot of uh, liberty minded uh, people who talk about that kind of stuff. Look, in the end, it, it's your money. So I don't. I'm not going to say you're not. Nobody's a hypocrite for using those things because I mean it is their tax money. However, I think the reason we've gotten to this point is because the right for so long has always been the the, the opposition party and never the proposition party. And there's never any answer other than oh, we just are going to have to expand Medicaid. Well, the the right is hypocritical on this stuff. So well, not the yeah, right, but the I Republican mean, Party because. They want these voters too. They know it's political right. suicide and, to go out in front of Mississippi yeah. voters and say we're going to take, we're going to get you off this government, and people will vote for it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's it's honestly like with any pay raise stuff too. I mean, if you look at if if there's a government employee, whether it be a teacher or law enforcement or, or whoever, if you say you're going to fund them or, and 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 give them more resources and give them pay increases, yeah, you you pretty much got their vote in your pocket. You do. Well, and and. When you promise people more money, when you pro- I mean, it's sort of like with the initiative process. Uh, it's it's why I kind of have mixed feelings on it. Studies have shown that if if in an if in an initiative process, uh, most of the time, uh, when given the opportunity to increase uh, money in the in the the voters' pockets through Medicaid expansion or whatever else, they're they're going to vote for it, and it's because there is there needs to be a paradigm shift in the thinking of. Number one, health care in this situation. But, but other than that, uh, debt and loan forgiveness as well, college, education, that kind of stuff. I know uh, – I don't know if it was you or somebody else I listened to one time that, that didn't like um, the phrase, college isn't for everybody. I think that it was another phrase they used that, that I really liked, and it's, it's slipping me right now. But essentially it was just, hey, uh, you don't always have to go in debt to get a gender studies yeah. <laughs> or an English degree. Or you know, everybody doesn't have to be a doctor. Everybody doesn't have to be an attorney. Sometimes we just need our trades. Absolutely. Uh, the Charles Koch Foundation actually put out a really good study on, on trades the other day. But, um, I mean, that they're the people who run America. But anyway, long story short, I'm kind of rambling. Uh I think there has to be a paradigm shift on that kind of stuff, and it's it starts with voters because the voters are the people who put those people in office. But I, you know, as we look at these numbers, I don't think you're going to ever have this paradigm shift, particularly in an inflation. You know, people are taking it on the chin. People are slipping out of the middle class. The middle class is mm-hmm. getting swamped by inflation. The upper middle class is getting hurt by this stuff. I think they're going to keep voting for themselves stuff out of the treasury. And the founding fathers warned us about this. You know, as soon as you give people the ability to vote things 
them for them money out of the treasury for themselves it's over exactly that's yeah, yeah. it's going to take the insolvency of our government mm. I, I think that we're going to have to have that catastrophic thing and, <laughs> and people have talked about it before where the ebt cards are cut off uh-huh with the Federal Reserve willing to print out money, I don't know that's going to be the way it is, but it could be where government benefits actually don't cover anything anymore because inflation is so high that, uh, you know, the government can't afford to keep pace with, you know, a hyperinflation situation. Bottom line is the system's got to probably implode. I don't think people are willingly going to say this is reckless. Uh, this is creating a dependent class. Um, everybody is trying to get theirs while they can. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's the sad thing because uh, – uh, and I love that uh, I don't the uh, the founding fathers piece that you put in there, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at. But um, yeah, I mean the majority of people don't care, Mike. They just don't. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, me me and Cade were at the Capitol yesterday, and we were sitting there, and we were thinking, yeah, and you got such and such million other Mississippians who are just could care less. They're just going about right. their day, and right. <laughs> we're sitting there watching, uh, the, uh, you know, their their money's being taken away and distributed, and and all kinds of other stuff. And I mean, people don't care, and that's the sad thing. People are apathetic. Yeah. And um, I well, don't know. It's the, I don't. It, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about that other than 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 you know try to stay in a good fight. But. Well, that's why I think talking about inflation and the real causes of it, while it might not be interesting or, or exciting, I guess. Hopefully, it's interesting. It may not be exciting to talk about Federal Reserve policy, but if people would understand it, then they would realize that voting them, you know, you may get your health insurance paid for, but all those other costs that you've got is partially because you're getting your insurance paid for. They're mm-hmm. going to get it one way or the other. There just are no freebies out there. And so if people understand the consequence of thinking they're going to vote for themselves to get something from the government, there is a price to be paid for that. With every pound of chicken you buy, these giveaways like Medicare and Medicaid and people can say, oh, I paid for my Medicare. No, you didn't. <laughs> you paid a drop in the bucket to what your medical cost is going to be when you're a senior citizen. Um, you know, they are paying the price for it through uh-huh. inflation. That yeah. is the tax that funds all of this stuff, and people just cannot understand Inflation that. is taxation without representation. Yep, absolutely. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll be right back talking to Stone Clanton, America's Prosperity. We'll find out what's going on in our state legislature now and what AFP is doing these days. We'll be right back. From all over the world, this is Captain America calling. I bailed you up when you were down on your knees So will it catch me now I'm falling All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB here in the Mackayka Flowwood Studios. So at least sometimes uh, politics gets really boring to me. There's sometimes I come into the show and I'm just like, oh, there's just nothing of any interest. This legislative stuff in Washington, D.C. is of some interest. Uh, it's the uh, to me, this is like the uh, it's like Star Wars, man. It's they're fighting back against the Empire. This is great. We got a whole lot of. Uh, we got a whole lot of uh, what do they call those people? What was rebels? Like, uh, yeah, the, the, we got a whole lot of rebels out there already trying to wave the right flag and yeah. put Darth Vader back in power. But <laughs> but the uh, you know they're fighting against the Empire, as we know though how that goes. The next episode, the Empire Strikes Back. So we'll see how that works out. But you guys are focused in on the state of Mississippi, and yeah. the legislature is just open. This is the first time you've been in here since it started. Uh, we we looking for brighter days ahead for the state of Mississippi. Did you get a real positive vibe from I the opening so. days? I think so. Look, I think so. Uh, I mean, uh, again, we're we're going to be focused on uh, 
really three main areas uh, this session, which is education, health care, and uh, uh, business, essentially. Just ensuring that, that people, number one with the business thing, making sure that people are able to, if they want to start a, a home-based business, if they're not uh, causing any ruckus, if they're not violating any local ordinances, whether it be noise or something, again, you can't, you can't operate a... Uh, a chop shop you can't operate a a a strip club in your suburbs or in your subdivisions but uh if somebody's wanting to make wreaths if somebody is wanting to uh do laser engraving on uh, yeti cups or whatever let them do it yeah uh so that's that's one thing we're going to be focusing on again uh, with the education there's a few different bills uh hopefully if starling k can come back on here they can dive a little deeper into those there's a little bit more in depth uh one of them is dealing with um workforce development and um dual enrollment just basically ensuring a a faster workforce development out there with kids coming straight out of high school and be able to uh you know work uh um and then uh thirdly with the health care again we're tackling certificate of need and if needed uh fighting medicaid expansion um with their certificate of need, we'll be focusing on two areas, uh, rehab centers and mental health facilities. It doesn't stop there. After that, though, there's many other different certificate of needs, whether it be for MRI machines, hosp- big hospitals, uh, pre-knit units. Uh, that's something re- that's really close to my heart because, um, I mean, we have a, a high infant mortality rate in the state, yeah. and uh, <laughs> there's no excuse for that uh, to live in a first-world country and have that. Um, so, yeah, th- those are the big areas. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I won't be there as much. Of course, I'm, I'm doing grassroots stuff. We'll be hosting a legislative kickoff on the 17th of January uh, at 6 p.m. in our office. We'll have some raising canes. So, uh, I don't know why I've never done raising canes at AFP meeting. I just I like I like canes. But um, anyway, so that'll be fun. I'll do another one in Meridian. Uh, if anybody listening is in the Starkville area, we'll be having one. I believe that's on the 24th. Uh, don't hope into that. That'll be a, the Little Dewey and Startful. I swear I might come up to that one just to go to Little <laughs> Dewey's again. That place, I, I went to Mississippi State, and I just oh, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I had, a, had a lot of dates yeah, with Little Dewey's. Oh, yeah, our, our GED up there, Nathan, is excited about it. This will be his first event. Um, and, look, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell people, if you want to get involved um, in this policy process and you want to make sure that the legislature is representing uh, Mississippi in the best light and ensuring that, that we're free and prosperous and making this state the best place to live, work, and raise a family, get in touch with us. Uh, I will say one thing. We are very positive, uh, and we, we look at things very optimistically. And uh, I won't get all preachy on you right now, uh, but uh, I, I, you may have seen on uh, – I know you don't get on Facebook much, but I put on my Facebook the other day. I, want, I wanted to remind people wanting to get involved of, of three main things. Number one, we're not going to be able to fix everything. That's impossible. No, There's no such thing as perfect uh, – Jesus come to earth. He wasn't here to fix Rome. Uh, he was here to, to set up a different kingdom, and uh, every other kingdom other than that kingdom is going to be lesser. So we have to realize that. And I want people, a lot of people expect perfect policy, and that's just impossible. Uh, but w- what we can do is strive for perfection. And when we're doing that, we need to make sure that we're acting civilly, and uh, we're and we're working with everybody to do right and no one to do wrong. So when somebody does something good, uh, we are going to make sure to thank them for their time and uh and see how we can further that in the future same thing with the with the income tax we want to see that whole thing repealed yeah um if we don't get what we want thank them for their time and uh keep keep working for your goal and uh thirdly remain positive there's so much negativity in the world 
uh, that that it can really get a lot of people down. And uh, I want I hope to be some sort of uh, positive light in somebody's day every day when I see them. I, I hope to uh, make their day even if it's just smiling at them. Uh, so that that's three three main things I want to remind people of. Uh, but yeah, th- those but uh, those three policies: healthcare, business, and uh, education. Are what or what we're going to be working on? Uh, education, of course, is very dear. Uh, to me, because if you don't have a good education, you're not going to be economically prosperous. If you're not economically prosperous, you're not going to be prosperous anywhere else. I met a guy yesterday who does workforce development stuff. And I, I forget the agency he was with. He's working with a different group now. But I was really encouraged, and I've talked to you all at AFP about this. You know, I had a curriculum for kind of soft skills training for people because I saw it so lacking with some great kids it's probably 10 to 20% of kids where you can just see this real potential in them, but their presentation's mm-hmm. bad, their their grammar's terrible, their you know their personal uh, presentation could be improved, they, they smell like cigarettes, you know what I mean? It's like they, they just don't have those soft skills to understand. You're a great person with great potential. You just need to put yourself into a better package, and you're going to go far. And uh, apparently they're rolling this out in some high schools here. I think they're doing um, mm-hmm. five maybe either five schools or five school districts in the state, which is not many. I think we got 90 school districts or something like that. But they're starting to put them in outside of the education system. So it's not it's not the schools, which would be mired down in the bureaucracy, but kind of alongside a, a counselor at a school, somebody who will start to work with these kids on the soft skills so that when they get into the workforce, they've got an idea of what's expected from them. Yeah, and I, I would love to see more of that. Just mentors. I mean, another, oh, we need it another. Somebody. I mean, and that would honestly, we talk about violent crime. I mean, that's going to be a big thing uh, nationwide and federally that we're going to be focused on is violent crime. And uh, hopefully, uh, like we did, I don't know if you remember the gas station events that we've done in, in Forest and around the, the country. We're going to be doing some events on violent crime, similar to that, some more town hall type events. Uh, hopefully, one uh, here in the next six months or so. Uh, in Jackson as well as in Meridian because they have some some similar issues as Jackson. <laughs> They're not as bad as Jackson though. Yeah. But uh, that that I think that would be even a big help with crime though. Yeah. Well, you know, I know that <clears throat> we have talked about criminal justice reform and a lot of people on the right rebel re, re, are repelled by that idea, but it is it is really just an approach to stop micromanaging people's lives and and that kind of stuff. And focusing in on these crimes, on the victims. actual crimes that are hurting people. Yeah, let's 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 build jails for predators. Nobody has a problem with that. Yeah, let's, let's get the aberrant people off of the streets and stuff. But what we've done is waste so much time just enforcing rules. Yeah. So let I'll, let let me uh, put this in real quick. Uh, this is a part of our um, prosper our, uh, our pathway to prosperity plan that we're that we're putting forth. Uh, it says right here, less than 40% of victims are reporting their crimes to police. So, number one, there's a, a red flag right there. There's some. There's a lack of trust in police. Yeah. Uh, number two, police and law enforcement are now arresting a historical low percentage of violent crimes, which is 41 per, 41.2%, and property crimes, 13.7% oh that are reported. 13% of property crimes. Or that now, come means on. 87% that means of property crimes are just t- tough luck. Yeah, to me that's a little concerning because those are the crimes that we need to be focused on that, right. that are violating the non-aggression principle. Yes. They're actually hurting people and taking their things. Yep. I don't know. I, that was just a little nugget. But to me that's very telling that we need a lot of um, – we need to really focus in on our criminal justice system right now, and it needs a lot of help right now. Yeah, it's a multi-pronged approach. The education piece plays into it, the you know the 
justice system. Oh, it's, it's it's an untangled. There's there's I think there are very there are short term um, proactive things you can do and very long term. Yeah. Because you're not going to fix socioeconomic stuff overnight. That's right. impossible. I would love that, but um, that's a very long term. But there are some short term things you can do, and, and we'll be talking about that in the future. Yeah. Okay. Great. We're talking to Stone Clinton, Americans for Prosperity. We'll come back in one short segment when we get back. Stick around. From all over the world. This is Captain America calling I bailed you up when you were down on your knees So when it catch me now I'm falling All right, final segment, talking to Stone Clanton with Americans for Prosperity. We only got a couple minutes to go. Uh, So you got an event on the 17th of this month? Yes, on the 17th at our Richland office at 6 o'clock. It'll be our legislative kick. It's a Tuesday, isn't it? Yes, a Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, It'll be uh, at 6 o'clock. We'll have some raising cane. Just talk about what we're focusing in on the legislature. We'd love for you all to come out and uh, get involved uh, with us, uh, get involved just in the process because uh, this, I mean, we need more good people on our uh, on the side of, uh, of liberty. Yeah, and you know, I think your organization is very good, and 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 has said this out loud. You'll support people if somebody out there is thinking about running for office. If you were a true freedom, liberty, prosperity guy, you need to get to know some of the people with Americans for Prosperity because they know the system. They can help you out. And yeah, a lot of people who know nothing about running for office. Yeah, that and that'll be with Americans for Prosperity Action, our sister organization, and uh, you can talk more uh, with um, our senior director or senior advisor with that, uh, which is our AFP state director, Starla Brown. Um, and uh, even uh, even people, even races that we don't engage in, if if, if it's if there's a non-incumbent or something that doesn't or isn't familiar with us and something getting elected, you know, reach out to us. And uh, we want to work with anybody and everybody, we'll, yeah. w- whether it's Republican, Democrat, or independent, whatever. If there's a way that we can work together and make Mississippi a better place, we want to do it. So, yeah, that, that event on January uh, 17th at 6 p.m. at the Richland office, it's going to be good. Uh, you can reach out to me at 601-300-9536, 601-300-9536 to get some more information on that. Follow us on Instagram at AFP Mississippi uh, and on Facebook at um, Americans for Prosperity dash Mississippi, and uh, you can stay up to date with what we're doing. We, uh, Kate actually got a picture of Chapel Heart yesterday. All right. All right. Well, you'll keep us up to date on what's going on in our legislature. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now.